Hello, and welcome to Meditations from Middle Earth. My name is Strider, and I'm a Christian worker here in where I call Middle Earth. We love to meditate on God's Word, and He's given us so many unique and rich experiences here in Middle Earth, and I'd like to share those insights with you here on Meditations from Middle Earth. Today we'll begin our fourth lesson in this series on contemplative prayer. We had an introductory lesson and now we have moved on into the um, Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes of Jesus as he was teaching on the character and nature of the kingdom. And we're using the Beatitudes um, in order to demonstrate this reading of Lexio Divina, or divine reading. Again, I want to make the um, contrast and comparison here that this isn't the only way we should read the Bible. It is a way to read the Bible, um, and one that's very important to us. But as we look at uh, reading the scriptures in this way, I don't want you to think this is the only way one should do this. I think it's extremely important as we think about the character and nature of God and as we think about how we're to follow him and how we're to behave with one another, how we're to treat one another, the kind of people that he's calling us to become. As we consider these things, we need to read the Bible in its historical context and think about if we're reading from Exodus, you know, what was it that Moses was, was uh, uh, trying to tell the ancient Israelites? If we're reading the, um, uh, the Psalms, you know, what is the psalmist communicating? And if we're reading the prophets, what are they communicating in their contextual context? And what, how might we uh, extrapolate those ideas and apply them to today? What kind of principles are we talking about? Because uh, I think one of the big misunderstandings about the Bible is that the Bible has been written uh, for us, or has it been written to us? So I was re recently listening to somebody make this distinction. If, if we're thinking that it's written to us, then um, the Levitical laws of the Old Testament and all the Jewish culture and tradition are all things that we should be doing because those were written to us. But of course, those of us who are not Jews uh, listening to this recording, uh, we're probably not doing all those things. Um, and, and as we uh, consider the, the many Old Testament laws, some 613 of them, uh, that's, you know, uh, well and above the just the Ten Commandments we think about. Uh, so we have to think about principles here. If, if they're written to the Jews, well, how are they for us? And, uh, and now we're not talking about, well, I need to have a high priest who has a certain kind of robe and a certain kind of breastplate with certain kinds of stones embedded in the breastplate and a certain set of sacrifices. Now, Jesus makes this clear that when he comes, he has fulfilled the law. 
And so now all of these things have been written down for us, and they're very educational for us to know and communicate truth about God. But these things are not written to us in the sense that now these are things that we must do. Jesus turns all that on its head when he's... he's um, describing, you know, what's the greatest commandment? And he doesn't list the 613 commandments or tell us that we have to keep all the Levitical laws. What he says is that we're to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and we're to love our neighbor as ourself. He's replaced those laws with the law of love. In fact, he says that if we love the Lord our God and our neighbor as ourselves, then we're in fact keeping all the commandments. Because all the commandments were to lead to love of God and love of each other. And so if we're doing that, then we are keeping the commandments. And so now we're in a different culture. We're in a different time. And in in fact, we're in a different testament. Jesus offers um, in the Lord's Supper, he offers the cup and says, this is the new covenant in my blood. And so we're in a new covenant, in a new time. And, and it doesn't mean that the old things aren't important, um, but they're not to us. But they have been written for us, and they're very important for us to know about. And, of course, there is so much violence, bloodshed, hatred, misery, uh, all throughout the Bible, and especially in the Old Testament. And you say, well, how is that helpful? And I would put it to you that all of those things are hugely descriptive of the human condition. If you don't like those things, I don't think you were intended to like those things. (laughs) If you have now become the loving person that God is calling us to become, then you're certainly going to look back on the Old Testament and say, wow, that was some really horrific violence. Um, And I think we're meant to do that. Uh, The violence was not uh, proscriptive and something you should do. The violence was simply pointing out, hey, this is the way humans are, you know. And when you look at um, the the secular history down through the ages, uh, you realize that the Bible couldn't have been written any other way and be believable. Um, Certainly, you know, if it was just, uh, hey, everybody's just... um, you know, drawing rainbows and loving each other, and we're all floating around on clouds and and singing songs. That no, you know, that's My Little Pony. That's not, you know, that's the Care Bears. That's not um, real life. Real life was about every twenty to fifty years throughout uh, the ancient history. There was another battle, killing another hundred thousand or so young men. Uh, There was another village destroyed. There was another people destroyed. There was another empire raised up and another empire thrown down. This is the bloody, horrible history of humanity. And the Bible glosses over that not at all. Uh, It's an honest book in that reference. And, and, And because of that, we can look at that and say, wow, look how God intervened and helped and aided his people, protected his people through all of the bloodshed and the horrificness. Now, why am I bringing all this up now? I'm bringing it all up now because I'm asking you to read the Bible in in a different way. You are to read it in historical context. You are to understand who 
what is the story that God is telling through all this violence and horrificness, through all the wonderful people who came and served and who were faithful, who laid down their lives for others. There was beauty and, and, and truth and wonderful things that happened. There were horrific, violent, terrible things that happened. And through it all, God had a plan and a purpose to bring salvation uh, to earth, to bring his kingdom uh, to us. And uh, the kingdom of God is among you now. And so that's one way to read the Bible. And you, you, you certainly must read the Bible this way in the context of the greater story. But as we look to the Bible, we also realize that, that in this greater story, the voice of God is speaking to us all the time. And as we open up the Bible in Lexio Divina, now we're listening to the voice of God to our context today. And what do I do? So what I do each morning, I get up and I read uh, a chapter of Proverbs. And you'll notice that Proverbs has 31 chapters in it. And um, there's many sayings, and some of them are quite cryptic and seem to be hard to apply for us today. And some of them are quite obvious. And um, I find that the Lord speaks to me through these quite often as I look to them and, uh, and listen for his voice. And uh, so with 31 chapters, I can read one a day and, and get through the, the book of Proverbs each month. And then there's the Psalms, 150 Psalms. And so if I read one Psalm a day, I get through the whole Psalms every three months. And the Psalms are really wonderful because this is a poetry about God. And these, are, these were originally sung, most of them, or, or chanted. And um, some of them had, had various ceremonial things. Others were just expressions of grief and loss. Others were crying out. Uh, for in despair, for God's help, and, and many were rejoicing at the way that God has helped. And so you have these many expressions of God's people through the ages uh, crying out in the Psalms, and this helps us to find the words to cry out to God in all of the ways that we need to cry out to Him as well. And so I find the Psalms really helpful to read at least one Psalm every day. Then I read um, at least one, if not two, chapters of the Old Testament, uh, and I kind of go through the Old Testament in that way, um, and I read uh, one chapter of the New Testament. And in this way, I generally get through the whole Bible each year. And um, uh, now, in addition to that, I might find time to study something. I might, uh, say, take the book of Isaiah, and go through it just especially, reading it over, studying it, reading commentaries about it, trying to learn um, what Isaiah was teaching the Jewish people in their historic context and what that means to us today. And, and, that's, um, and that's study. But when I go to Lexia Divina, that's kind of the four chapters that I'm reading in the morning. And I'm going through and I'm listening for the voice of God for him to kind of pop out a verse and say, hey, Strider, pay special attention to this verse right here. And I just feel that. And then I'll stop and I'll meditate on that. I'll pray through it. And then I'll come into the presence of God in contemplation and sit with that for a while. And, and this is our Guido's Ladder. 
of, of Lexio followed by meditation, prayer, and contemplation. That's what I'm trying to teach us. And so uh, I wanted to highlight today uh, how I'm doing Lexio, how I'm reading through. And yes, I'm looking for the historic context and I'm looking for uh, these, uh, you know, what the what the writer was trying to say in its original context, but I'm, I'm especially just listening for God's voice today uh, when I'm reading devotionally first thing in the morning. And so that's what I mean by Lexio. Again, it's not the only way to read, but it's an important way to read, to listen for the voice of God and to find Him in Scripture. Now, I want to point out that as I go through the day, um, you can find your Lexio outside of the Scriptures. God, of course, is always speaking. I might see him in nature. I might see him in another book that I'm reading. I might see him or hear his voice um, through a friend who says something or a teacher who says something that catches my attention. I'll never forget years ago, uh, and this will apply especially, I think, today to uh, the verse we're going to read and meditate on. Um, But years ago, I was listening to... um, a teacher who I, I did not respect. Uh, he came on television, and this is one of those teachers who seems to be very full of himself and very prideful and very arrogant, and he had a theology that I did not agree with. Um, he had a lifestyle that I did not agree with, and um, I didn't think much of this man. And uh, he was telling a funny story, and so I stopped to listen to the funny story because he was quite a good communicator. Uh, which I guess is why he was good at what he did and why he made a lot of money doing it. But as I listened to the story, I heard the voice of God, and he taught me something. And I just remember standing there looking at the television in shock, and I said, Lord, are you teaching me through this man whom I do not respect? (laughs) And he said, yes, because if you listen to my voice, I can teach you anywhere, anytime. The vehicle is not important because I can overcome the deficiencies of any vehicle to get the truth to you if you are willing to listen. And uh, that was such an important teaching to me then. And and it's, it's something that I recommend to you that you can hear the truth anywhere at all times. But at the same time, I, I warn you that it's also dangerous. We have to have real discernment then. Because many things that that particular man would teach would not be true. So I couldn't just say, well, just because God taught one truth through him to me that day means that I can hear God's voice in this man all the time. No, I can't. Um, Many times he says things that are off-base, self-centered, and uh, self-serving. And I I, I can't just listen to... and, And that goes for a really good teacher, too, by the way. If you're listening to a really good teacher, you can't just take it for granted that everything he says is from the mouth of God. Um, You can't take it for granted that everything I say is from the mouth of God, because that's not not true. We are all uh, jars of clay. We are all... uh, instruments uh, that are uh, that don't play in tune all the time and so you always need to listen if it's to a teacher or um, or through a book or through even through nature you have to uh, weigh 
this voice of God that you're hearing with what you know to be the truth that you've studied in Scripture and what you know to be the truth about God. And, um, and, and, and I think above all, does it violate his law of love? Because it violates his law of love, then you're mishearing that, and it's not true. All right. So today, let's move then to our Lexio. We are continuing in Matthew chapter 5, and the next verse, we've, we've looked at blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We've looked at blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And verse 5 says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, let's say that I'm reading through this, and this blessed are the meek just jumps out at me. And honestly, it does jump out at you, because in our society today, in Western society especially, meek is not a valued characteristic. We like big, strong, type A leaders. Um, We want uh, people who uh, fight for what they believe in. And we want people who don't let other people push them around. We, we like these strong leaders, these characters who are stalwart and um, stand their ground and they're um, unyielding in their uh, stance for the truth. And yet this idea of meekness comes along and it sounds like weakness to us. Um, I, uh, I was very impacted by Mr. Rogers, um, both as a child and as an adult. Uh, I was um, actually looking at old clips of Mr. Rogers a couple of years ago when um, suddenly this um, uh, movie with Tom Hanks came out about Mr. Rogers. But, uh, and while I think Tom Hanks did a great job portraying Mr. Rogers, Uh, What I really found powerful is that there in Mr. Rogers, I feel we have just as good an example as we have in the modern times of one who is meek and yet in that meekness uh, fights for what is right and true and makes a real impact and a difference in the world that he's living in. Uh, Mr. Rogers is one who is meek and yet against all common sense and, and, uh, and, and common assumptions about what a leader is and what a, a person who has an impact on society is, he makes a huge impact, um, not in spite of his meekness, but through his meekness. Uh, that was a very powerful idea to me, and it's still a powerful idea. What is this characteristic of meek? It's meek. And how does this meekness inherit the earth? And as I meditate on that, I think, well, meekness, uh, the the number one characteristic that comes across with meekness is somebody who's gentle in spirit, but they're gentle in spirit with a purpose. They're gentle in spirit because they're learners, because they're open to learning. They're, They're not one who wants to bully or push around other people. They want to learn from other people. And they're going to be an influence on other people precisely and because they listen to other people 
and they value other people. They elevate other people. See, the strong type A personality comes into the room and says, everybody do what I say. The meek person comes into the room and says, tell me what you think. And in telling you what you think, he influences you. And through his questions, and through his demeanor, and through his love, he changes you. And that's such a powerful idea to me. And I think that's exactly who Jesus was. We think about Jesus saying, you know, let the little children come to me. The little children wanted to come to him. Little children don't want to run up to a general with a sword in his hand. Uh, Little children don't want to run up to a bully or somebody's throwing their weight around or a huge, towering, imposing figure of strength. Little children come up to people who are meek, to people that they feel comfortable and safe sitting in their lap. And uh, I think Jesus embodies this, and we know he embodies this because the children did want to come to him. The, the poor came to him. The downtrodden came to him. They were not threatened by him in the way that the leaders of the day threatened uh, the poor and the weak and the sick. And so uh, meekness is certainly a characteristic that Jesus had. And meekness is a characteristic that he's calling all of um, the people who want to be a part of his kingdom. He's calling all of them to have that. And it's something that's difficult for us uh, because our, our contemporary society does not value this. And we're so afraid that if we back off, if we appear weak, people will run over us. And, uh, and yet the promise is just the opposite, that the meek will inherit the earth. So what does it mean to inherit the earth? I think that uh, certainly I think this is true eschatologically, um, as in the, in the future things. So certainly um, those of us who are part of Christ's kingdom today can, as Christ has died on the cross and risen from the dead and is part of an eternal kingdom, we also will die someday um, if he tarries to return, and we also will raise with him to walk in this new life, and we will, in fact, inherit the earth ultimately. But I think it also has a present-day connotation to it, that like Mr. Rogers and like the great saints who have gone before, being meek doesn't mean being weak. It is simply an important way to influence people and to change the world that we live in for the better. The whole thing that our society is built upon might makes right. You know, who the, the, the big joke is the, you know, the golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. And while we joke about that, deep down we believe it. And while, we, and while we look across and we think at somebody else and we think, yeah, you know, that person's being a bully and I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be a bully and I don't want to push other people around. And yet when it comes down to it again and again, we choose insisting on our own way 
out of fear that we'll be pushed around and we won't uh, get the good outcome that we're looking for. But Jesus tells us, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. If we want the good things of the kingdom and the good promises that are absolutely true for the future, but also true for today, we're going to be meek. We're going to be those who don't insist on our own way. We're going to be those who approach life and others as learners. And we're going to be those who honor and exalt other people and are uplifting to other people and those who take the lowest seat. And we'll allow God to fight for us and we'll allow God to lift us up. And we're going to see that in taking the lower spot, in being gentle and lowly, in being uh, the big accusation, of course, is that, you know, uh, if you want to insult somebody these days, you accuse them of being sheep. You're just a bunch of sheep. You know, biblically speaking, we are sheep. <laughs> uh, David referred to us as sheep. He referred to himself as a sheep as he talked in the Psalms. Uh, and, he, and Jesus, of course, says he is the good shepherd. Um, yeah, we're supposed to be sheep. And, um, and, and as we accept this position... Uh, the world means it for an insult, but even as the world means it for an insult, God takes it and uses it for his glory. For as we step back and hold back, we allow God to move and to work. And he is the one who will fight for us. And he is the one who will lift us up. So let's continue to think about that as I lead us in prayer. And then I want to read our invitation verse from the book of Revelation and Jesus speaking to the church of knocking on the door. We want to take 30 seconds and feel free to stop this recording and to take longer if you're able uh, to sit in the presence of God and try to clear your minds of the busyness and the distractions of the world and just sit in his presence. And then we'll close with the Lord's Prayer. Let me pray for us. Yeah, Heavenly Father, teach us again what it means to be meek. How can I be a learner today? What are you calling me to? Who are you calling me to listen to instead of speak? When is it that I need to be quiet and hear others and esteem others instead of uh, imposing my will upon others. Help me this day, Lord, to be a blessing to others by listening to them and by honoring them. And in that, I'll trust you to give me the reward in your own time because we do love you. And now we wait upon you. Jesus says, in Revelation 3.20, Listen, I am standing at the door, knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to you and eat with you, and you with me. Open the door.
Let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father who are in heaven, holy is your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory now and forever. Amen. This has been Meditations from Middle Earth. May God be your ever-present teacher and richly bless you on your journey.